Broadcasting live from Ma's basement, this is The Monstrous Feminine, a podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeba, and I'm joined by my crew, Louisa and Taya. This is our last episode covering Femcell Films. We're talking about the 2019 psychological horror Ma, directed by Tate Taylor. Mila is off sick this episode, but she'll be back soon. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at the Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In Ma, a group of teens seek out a local resident to buy them booze. Vet tech Sue Ann volunteers and offers the teens her basement to get drunken. Amongst the teens is Maggie, who has recently moved back to her mother's hometown following the breakup of her parents' marriage. Maggie grows increasingly uncomfortable around Ma's clingy and erratic behavior, but overlooks it because she wants to fit in with her new group of friends. As the parties continue, Ma becomes more and more over-invested in the teens' lives, and it is soon revealed that she is using the kids to take revenge on their parents, who had tormented Sue Ann in high school many years prior. Hey, this is Ma. I got a new number. Just picking up a few things. Don't make me drink alone. And I don't want to hear any of this. I have homework crap. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Are you guys mad at me for something? I mean, I uh, risked my job so that you could have fun. And we definitely did. The least you could do is, you know, say thank you. Zeba, why did you want us to do Ma? Since this is like your equivalent to my going girl obsession. Here's what I will say about Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. She has prepared her whole life to play Ma. If you know character actress Octavia Spencer, you know that she plays a femcell. She has played the creep in many a television and movie program. And this happened after The Help, also directed by Tate Taylor. And I just think that something about that combination leads to magic, frankly. And I think that in every role that she is forced to play a fucking deranged weirdo, she brings to it a levity that causes the viewing audience at home to root for her. Her comedic timing is unmatched like no other in every role she brings it she is performing and i think ma is the underrated bloomhouse classic in which this is exemplified the script deranged she plays the black woman serial killer like fuck swarm fuck donald glover ma was the originator and quite frankly we did not see if she died at the end I would like many more sequels. Who knows where this could end? I didn't see a body, so anybody at Bloomhouse, just know that Zeba and the Monstrous Feminine. No, I don't know if you can speak for all of us as a collective. I think Kenny JD did this for bad movies and a beat. The question is not whether Ma is good or bad. It is, are you entertained? And, and... Was her performance legendary? Those are the two questions that I just need answered by the end of this episode. Once those things have been cemented, fine. Bad, bad movie. Who are we to call things good or bad? <laughs> we are a film critique podcast. 
I think the movie is so chaotic that it's somehow good. Like, it's so bad it's good. I wouldn't say it's camp because I don't feel like it's quite camp. I just feel like it's so bad that it's good. The Monstrous Feminine is on Spotify, so please go rate us five stars, follow, and comment. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out on our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Estella, who commented on our Jennifer's Body episode and said, Ugh, I love this episode. The dynamic between Chip, Needy, and Jennifer feels like the triangulation of homoerotic desire that happens in Dracula. Chip is a conduit for the girls' desire for each other. Yes, Estella, we agree. I think we may have said something similar on the episode, but... I love hearing you guys' opinions on things and what you think about the film. So feel free to engage. I think Spotify has a feature now where it says, what do you think of the episode? So if you guys have any comments or like thoughts after you listen to it, make sure you pop it in that box so we can see it. And we would love to chat with you about the episode or see your thoughts. And I hope you've had a, a great spooky season, Estella, and that you've seen all the great films, had some pumpkin flavored things, some great hot chocolate and lattes and seen some great spooky movies friendly reminder that we are also on patreon for one pound a month you gain access to our discord for three pounds a month you get to hear a cut discussion for our main episodes and for five pounds you get all that plus the opportunity to pick our themes films and discussion points please support us any contribution helps if you listen to our previous two episodes which you should and are relevant to this episode. We always build upon each other. Femcell is a term with a long history on the internet to describe not exactly like incels, as in typically men who are involuntarily celibate for a myriad of reasons that we won't get into. Um, Femcell is more of an, I guess, an aesthetic and an ideology related to, I would say, man-hating, um, but also, you know, idolizing or in some cases like being fans of movies like we are covering under this theme, either involving like revenge fantasies or, you know, going against expectations of femininity because patriarchy is a big bummer, but it involves a kind of like an aesthetic of like apathy and like sad aesthetics and uh, romanticizing some um, arguably toxic behaviors and patterns and uh, lifestyles. So I think that is very true of Ma. Um, it's absolutely a classic revenge fantasy. I would say it is in the umbrella of a rape revenge fantasy, um, which makes it, I think, an interesting contribution to the canon i feel like people look at this as a comedy because octavia spencer is very funny and there are some very intentionally funny parts of this movie on top of the unintentionally funny parts of this movie like in all seriousness i feel the way about i guess ma that some people do about swarm i'm gonna bring it up a lot because there aren't a lot of like black women serial killer things to refer to that people know about both have been memed to high hell, which I think is interesting. People use a lot of images from both of these movies to describe like unhinged women's behavior or when people themselves are feeling like a bit feral um, on the internet. So I think that's why for me, this fits snugly in the femcell category, even though Ma herself is like not of the age group or the persuasion to like 
be radicalized by the internet and participate in like insulated femcelly behavior that is stemmed from like internet culture in the same way that it would for perfect blue gone girls a little bit different as well but like you know what i mean like things that are brought about by hegemonic ideas about femininity that are you know in real life and that internet subcultures are sort of like resistant to right ma's not on the message boards being radicalized but i think that that people use ma and images of ma in deep online spaces to refer to this type of behavior like if like you don't even really need to have seen the movie to understand that like a gif of her means i'm about to act crazy or like i'm acting up or i'm moving in toxic ways like i just think that's very interesting the figures that people choose to adopt into our like internet shorthand i think that the gone girl uh speech the monologue the cool girl monologue is one of those things that has been adopted into our like lexicon or like shorthand when we talk about fem cell behavior in the same way that like images of Ma or um, Dominique Fishback's character from Swarm, I forget her name. You can just show a picture of them and people know that you mean crazy fem cell behavior. And I, those are the only two black women, I guess, that are used in those ways. When black people use those images, I feel a little bit different than like, we can talk about like digital blackface about how people will use those images to mean like I'm about to be like crazy and angry and mad. The like angry black woman. They also use pictures of them to mean that thing. And I think that these characters can be used and interpreted in really different ways. I love this movie because I do think it's funny, but I also is in the revenge fantasy category. I always find those movies really cathartic. I find Gone Girl cathartic. I find Ma cathartic. I think Perfect Blue. It's too messy for me to like root for anybody. I'm not rooting for Ma. I'm not. But I am because it's fiction and let me do it. And I want a sequel and I don't want her to be dead. You felt this way kind of like a problematic fave. You had this opinion about Candyman and you thought he was an iconic villain and you dressed up as Candyman for Halloween. Well, I think you should do Ma. I think that would be funny. Please. I just get a fuck ass Bob. A Bob in your scrubs. Like iconic and a little Cardi. Oh, I love, I would love to see it. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel as passionately about this one as you do, but I do think it's funny. I think it's kind of camp. I think it has moments, like, particularly when she's, those videos that she sends to the kids are, like, camp to me. When she's like, let's get fucked up and all that stuff. And it's just, like, so bizarre. But also, like, you know, the funky town dance sequence was very funny to me. What song is playing when she, like, runs the person over in her car melissa is it melissa it's some i'll look it up there's some deranged song this point the soundtrack in this movie is also so fucking funny because it's music she only plays music at her parties are like songs she would have listened to in high school uh oh sorry her name's mercedes of course it is she runs over mercedes but yeah i think that adds to the campiness of it though the fact that it's like such dated stuff but they're all like vibing to it i don't know it's kind of it's a bizarre one um i'm not so sure that i ever feel that much like suspense and 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 such but i think it's fun when the film first starts off you have no idea what you're walking into it starts like kind of slow and she doesn't initially seem like she's gonna do the kids any harm minus the fact that she bought some alcohol legally but when they get to her house (laughs) she's 
<laughs> Strip boy. <laughs> it's not a funny scene, Daya. She tells him. She tells him to strip with a gun and they proceed to go back to her house. Okay, we need to talk about how dumb these teenagers are. Yeah, you know when like the uh, end when the mom, Maggie's mom finds out what she's doing and like completely freaks out. I think that was an invalid reaction of like I too would be angry at my kid. Not even the fact that they like, it's more like that they were so stupid about it. You know, like I, I think she's furious that she didn't know better. There had to be some way, some other way to get free alcohol. But like, literally, they go to her house and he says, I don't remember what he said to her. It was like, you're not being very cool or something. And she was like, whips out a gun. And she's like, strip boy. The way I've seen that out of context is a meme. It's why I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that adds some crucial context. I feel like you should have said it. But when she does that and they like proceed to stay at her house and drink anyway, I was like, oh, these kids, they really have no brain cells. Okay. Okay. Would you all have gone to Ma's house? as a teenager be so honest if everybody was partying at ma's house and you heard that there was this lady like not imagine okay i'm not i don't think any of you would be in the first group of children to like go and like witness her pull out a gun and still go back but if you heard that like the whole grade was going to this lady's house and she lets you hang out in her basement and provides alcohol or whatever would you have gone yeah i would have probably i I would not It, it would sound so scary I would be like, this sounds like a trap. Like, what if she's poisoning the alcohol? Not only would I have gone, I feel like I did go to situations like that as a teenager. <laughs> like, I don't know whose fucking basement I was in. Like I said, I wouldn't have done the first cohort of teenagers. I think that's bizarre. But I would have shown up to a party, not even realizing whose address it was and just like been there for sure. If the verb for um, gone girl was, have you ever been cool girling? Like, how long have you been cool girling? In this film, it's like, have you ever been mod? Have you ever been mod? Who was your ma? Who was the like bare irresponsible adult? I had friends whose parents would like make edibles and like let us have them or like just like, oh yeah, there's like beer in the fridge. Go ahead and have some or like just look the other way when kids were like in the liquor cabinet or people who would like host the parties like a straight up somebody's mom or like stepmom or like older cousin. I think that's pretty common actually. Like she looks like a lunatic. And I cannot say why an adult would do that. I do not understand the motivation. I would understand the motivation in IRL because I think the IRL motivation is that you at least you know that your kid's at home. And like, you know where your kid is, at least. She wouldn't even let her kid party with them. That was so sad. Free her. Yeah, poor Jeannie. Free, hashtag free Jeannie. She also was, had Munchausen's and that girl was not sick, so. Yeah, I know. That was, like, another, like, were so many weird things that were thrown in here, which is, like, the, she, that, that subplot adds literally nothing to the narrative. I have no clue. Also, she never, like, there's a line where she, like, doesn't want, um. Who was her father? She doesn't want Maggie to have sex, and so she stops him from having sex, and I'm like, okay, but Ma's, like, assault scene. Like, I thought it was going to be like she was a child of, like, you know, that interaction, right? But she just gives her him a blow, not just, it's still assault, but she just gives him a blowjob. So, like, it doesn't, it couldn't possibly have created Jeannie. So I'm like, where does Jeannie come from? Why would this, like, psychosis or trauma lead to Munchausen's? 
I like there's literally no basis for it and it like it contributes to the film being overall wackadoo not to mention that everybody in this entire town got pregnant at the same time so all her kids could be the same age yeah that's true yeah exactly that's actually I didn't you know what I didn't even question that part but yeah you're so right why are they all the same age like everyone got pregnant the same year what what in the pregnancy pack but also like I feel like her daughter Jeannie, one, doesn't make sense because, like, they show her, like, once at school and then once in the house and they're like, oh, Jeannie, I was wondering why you've been absent for a month. Thingy didn't even know who she was. Like, um, the other friend was like, oh, who's that? And I'm like, you go to school with her for years, presumably. Like, you're in the same grade in the small town. You know who Jeannie is. She's the one black girl in your year. What do you mean? The teachers didn't call a social worker and ask why she was missing for a month. Okay. There are some plot holes within the movie, but they kind of make it funny. But also, like, the blowjob thing, when that happened in the movie, I was like, oh, that is not where I thought that was going. Is that not weird of them to, like, want a blowjob from her? I don't know. I mean, they are, in fact, the weirdos. They are the sexual predators, and it was terrible. It makes Ma more sympathetic. Like, it's just kind of sad. It had to be something extreme to motivate the violence, but it is, like, out of the tone of the rest of the movie. The Munchausens make sense to me. I agree. It doesn't need to be there. It doesn't add a whole lot to the plot. But I don't think it's out of character because Ma's whole motivation for like never wanting Jeannie to leave the house is she's so afraid that the same things that happened to her are going to happen to her daughter. And I think she just sees herself and her daughter. And like, I feel like in situations with Munchausen's, especially where there is like a girl who's beat the victim of it, a lot of it is like, they think they're protecting her, especially when they're teenage girls. They're like protecting her from the dangers of the world and that's how ma sees she's like a naturally suspicious person and like the other crazy scene is where the boy kisses her to like try and get out of the situation oh god thy god i actually blocked that out and then she's like he's like i love you or something or it's like so, i don't know something to that effect she's like i don't believe you she is like doing this out of bare revenge she doesn't believe that anybody is capable of having true affectionate feelings towards her she knows that she is buying these kids time and affection with alcohol and a space to party she knows that none of her bullies are ever going to like really see the error of their ways she's like a deeply bitter person i don't know she loves her daughter but she sees herself in her daughter and uses her as like a object to project her anxieties onto and i think that's why she munchausen's her i don't think that's a verb and knacks munchausen onto her oh god um what's the there's a new name for munchausen's actually it's not you're not supposed to say munchausen fabricated or induced illness all this to say is that it's in character is it necessary no but i think it's like not out of left field how is she affording all this alcohol on a vet tech salary that's true i also wondered that and she finds she, she she got the bing pong table and she actually did renovate the basement. I'm like, what? I'm like, where is this coming from? And not to mention, she also is paying for her daughter's hospital bills for the fabricated induced illness. Like, she must be secretly wealthy or something. But one of the interesting dynamics of this movie is race. Ma is like the only black girl in her entire school. And somehow, 20 30 years later that is still the same scenario with her daughter and this town is like very white and they didn't even notice that her daughter was gone or who she was for the most part as you mentioned earlier and so there's this sense of um 
the only way to be cool is to not be a black woman because the only black person in their friend group is a black dude. And then when Ma kidnaps them in the basement, she doesn't do anything to him but paints him white and says there can only be one, which was insane. That was insane. So many classic moments from this. There can only be one. Girl, you so crazy. I love her. I really want to know who wrote that in the script because I know they were like that. It's Alyssa that Edward white man, theme. I'm telling you. That's what makes it even funnier. In that case, that may be also why she keeps Jenny lock Jeannie locked up because she doesn't there can only be one in the friend group and it has to be her. So everyone else has to be eliminated. God, the ways in which Ma Ma is fed himself. Is Loki a little bit even to her own daughter in that way? Like, in, in that, like, you're right, there can only be one, and she doesn't let Jeannie go down, and she keeps her locked away um, out of protection. But also, that motivation doesn't quite align, because she also wants to be part of the friend group, but then she's also just entering so she can punish them. So maybe it does align. I mean, she does seem to have some genuine, genuine desire to belong. Um, otherwise she would have just went ahead and did it when she pulled a gun on them and they were dumb enough to come back. I mean, there was really nothing stopping her. There is a protectiveness. Like, when she weirdly drugs um, Maggie, and it's almost like to prevent her from having sex with her boyfriend because she knows that she was about to go upstairs and do that. It was like a jealousy thing, definitely. She projects onto that young man because he's the clone of his father. And I don't think she would, like, actually fuck him but i think that she is like weird and territorial over him but like i also do think it's a bit of a protectiveness thing because she makes a comment just before saying you don't want to get pregnant young and end up with a baby like and that's she's implying that that's kind of what happened to her or something i think that's what happened to maggie's mom but again since they're all the same age i guess it happened to everyone at the same time it feels like a weird jealousy thing, but also protectiveness thing. I, I I don't know. I can't really get a read on it. I feel like it's just not that thought out. They threw it all in there and were like, here you go. It's found its audience in Zeba. According to an interview with Tate Taylor and GQ, the interviewer asked him about the kind of racial dynamics. Like, was that defining aspect, blah, blah, blah. And then he answers and says, isn't it funny the way our country is set up? The moment I give a very talented person who's my best friend a part because she wanted to break out the movie becomes about race. It's crazy. Me and Octavia talked about it. She goes, why is everyone saying this is about race? And I said, because you're black and I'm white. And I guess friendships and love does not trump that. As far as Octavia goes, her casting in that role, it was a victim of trauma. The only thing I think I commented on as far as race goes is that Ma has a specific amount of torture associated with each of the kids. And when she painted Darrell's face white, it's Ma trying to put psychological torture on a black man. She says there can only be room for one of us. It's me saying, yeah, enough already with the one black character and they're never the lead. I like that she doesn't torture him. I think just painting him white is totally fine. She really tortured the other children and she's like, but you, I'll spare you a little bit. I think it is so fucking funny that this is the same director as The Help. I do believe they're friends. I do believe that they love working together. Like, I think she is an immensely talented character actress. Like, I stand by that. I think she is so funny and has this, like, natural comedic timing and everything that she does. I believe that he sees that in her. And probably she came to him and said, I would like the opportunity to do, like, a genre that I haven't done before. And, like, quite frankly, she has played this role many, many times over before Ma existed. Like, the racial aspect of it, she's the only black person. I, 
I don't know. That's like people see race in it because there race there is race in things. I believe the director had absolutely no intention. I think this is a off the walls brainchild between the two of them. This is a project that Octavia wanted to do, and uh, it is a deranged production of uh, psychological torture and horror. But that being said, I think she had fun. And I think I can tell she's having fun, but I think she's being typecast, right? Like she has continued to play this character after Ma. She has played this type of character before Ma. If she likes it, I love it. Like if if this is like the type of role that you like doing, I think you're good at it. I, I enjoy watching you in them. I like for her to get the opportunity to play like other types of roles. This was apparently supposed to be her breakout from that though. So. I mean, to be fair, I feel like when I think of Octavia Spencer and roles, I feel like I see her more like play like a, a motherly figure. She does crazy a lot. She goes on like, I was thinking like Ugly Betty. She was on fucking Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. She always plays like the crazy like older lady who's like around. And I feel like her most prominent roles like Hidden Figures, The Help, Snowpiercer and stuff. It's been more of like a, a motherly, calming figure. Or like kind of like a spicy character who's still like motherly. I mean, she's literally Ma in this. She's still being motherly. However, like I am confused about being like, I didn't think about race in film where like she's the only black character and then you make her paint the black character white and be like, there can only be one. And also uh, the, every, every single person who's bullying her is white. Where do they live? I want to. I would love to know. And also, like the director is from Mississippi, and apparently, like that's what inspires a lot of his work. So I would. I probably. I think he's probably one of those people who's colorblind and did not consider <laughs> making racial aspects of a film. Will make a film about race, but yeah, that's confusing. And like, I don't think you can really make a film in which you make race a part of the plot and then be confused about why people make it about race. There, there could have been literally like one black girl in the fan group, friend group of you wanted to pull that and be like, it's not about race. I don't know. But like this casting, no. Also like Maggie, Maggie is a character I think doesn't work as well as a final girl. Um, she's not the final girl because they all get rescued, but she's kind of positioned at one. That's partially why I think her character doesn't have sex in the film because the version always lives at the end. But her as a character, like, it takes her so long to make any wise decisions. And even when she's like, let's go investigate Ma's house, it is, like, the dumbest way possible. And they're making a bunch of noise. They talk to her daughter. They don't put stuff back in place. Like, I was like, I'm finding it hard to root for this character because she just seems to be dumb. I just said to thinking, how could you be so stupid? When she gets the note and Ma's like, I have all of your friends. So he comes to the house and she goes to that house and like doesn't tell anybody. Girl, what do you think is going to happen? Or even, I mean, she willingly also went back to the house the first time after she pulled the gun and she only starts to be suspicious when she's like, I think she stole like my earrings or like my necklace or something. And I'm like, that's what made you suspicious. Not the pulled the gun and told your friend to strip. No, but that's what kills me is when she, she comes to them and she's like, the reason I've been acting so wild is because of I'm so exhausted from having cancer. And all of them are like, yo, that's so true. I know people with cancer and they be acting wild. 
I was like, who? Like, that is not a side effect of, like, cancer, medicate, like, chemo or whatever. Like, what? It's not. Also, who is his mom? Because in the flashback, she's not present. Was she an out-of-towner? I don't know. Apparently none of their... Maggie's dad is also out of town. So I guess everyone went out of town on the same day and had a baby from out-of-towner so that they can walk the same age. And the baby daddy or mama would be nowhere in sight. Back to the race point. So there was a New York Times review and it said... Whether Taylor and Landis are aiming for subtlety or deniability, whether Ma is a critique of racial thinking or an experiment in colorblindness, it's a question to ponder if you're so inclined. I thought that was a, a funny way of putting it in a review. If you're so inclined. But I, I swear, like, the fact that it's Ma as a term comes about because the black kid calls her Ma, which seemed to me to be, like, a very racial dynamic that was, like, but then did you just not have a title for the film until you had a black woman play? I'm so confused. I think she always had a soft spot for the black kid. And that's why she didn't torture him. And he gave her the nickname that she actually liked. She felt included. I mean, maybe he's her son. We didn't see his parents either. And considering there's one black person in town. I mean, they all left on that singular day so they could have kids with someone who doesn't live in the town. <laughs> Explain why only one of their parents are there. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. Just Maggie's mom. Because we never hear about her father either. Karen Hahn for Polygon said, When the trailer for Ma was first released, speculation ranged from worry that it would be enforcing the angry black woman stereotype to excitement that it would subvert the mammy archetype that black women are so often relegated to in cinema. What do we think? I mean, I guess there's something to say as well. There, I think it's wild that it was colorblind casting because the idea that like she's has this bitchy boss and there seems to be like an element there as well, a power element there. And like when when she like locks her boss in the cave, I thought that was delicious. A delicious kill reveal was very much for it. When she runs over Mercedes with her car, again, a delicious kill. Oh, yeah. There are some great and unique kills in this movie. Let's not forget. I only wish that Ma had been driving a Mercedes at the time. That would have been my only thing that could have made it better. What do we think about Ma's own sexual predation? Um, very bizarre. I didn't see that one coming. That those moments were also somewhat camp. Like when she says, "Like, oh, you had like you were milk fed or something to to Darrell." <laughs> I was like, but that also feels like like um toxic fem cell behavior. Like, I don't some I we haven't talked about it in any of these, but I know in other fem cell movies, there's like horniness to the point of fucking destruction, and it's not better because you're a woman. Well, that goes back to the original core of Found Cell, pre-social media aestheticization of the sad girl core. The anger about not having sex. It's giving Pearl, you know, in X. It's a rip-roaring roller coaster of a time. Strap in if you're prepared. If you're not in the mock cult, that's totally fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm in the mock cult. So we, ha- you have a range of representation on this panel. Are you in the mock cult or are you not in the mock cult? Are you in Ma's basement? Who is your Ma? And what is your Gone Girl? Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. And that's a wrap on season three. Thank you to everyone for listening and tuning in to our deranged horror film chats. And we can't wait to see you all in February for season four.